Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Ben Bateman doing multiple M's. I almost lost it, but I got there. Yeah, you did good. If you, yeah. Good intro. Your name was Reichel. I could do like a Reichel. I could do a rolling R. Is there a rolling M? If we ever have a Rachel as a guest or something, don't do that to them. Well, welcome to the Masters of Modern and MMCast podcast and YouTube show. We are here to talk to you about Magic the Gathering. This episode will may or may not be broken up into multiple parts if you're watching this on YouTube. So make sure to check in every day this week on YouTube to see continuation of what we're talking about as a subject matter and the those listening um uh, it, it happens all at once if you listen to the audio only it's all there and then if you're on patreon you got this like four days ago for patreon you get they now literally going to upload this video as soon as we're done recording they got a bonus 20 minute deck tech standard deck tech this week uh plus uh some other adjacent content and the week before that we talked about uh, I think we talked about movies. I forgot we talked. We generally talk about movies. It's very, 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 very often what me and Ben will talk about. That's not magic. When it's Alex and I, though, we're less likely to talk about movies. Yeah, we're more games and me and yeah. Ben are more movies. So today we are talking. So uh, we, we got an email. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, I have a toy company. It's called Cast Michael Works there. We also do games, and we kickstarted a game two years ago that will be released this summer um, called Battle Bosses. And for those of you that are listeners of the show that donated, we apologize for the delay. COVID happened, and uh, that was after other delays that happened. So it's been fun. But we are officially going into production, and it will be shipping by the beginning of the summer. Thank God. But because of that game and because we do those games, we do a lot of live events with the toy company with stuff like New York Toy Fair and VidCon and then Gen Con and Essen and Gamma and uh, Gen Con this morning announced that and obviously for the last year, exactly, they've all been canceled because of COVID. In fact, I believe almost a year ago today. We were at Gamma leaving. Basically, that from that point on, we were going into quarantine. It's like the year anniversary of us yeah, leaving Gamma. We've been each other for like a few minutes at a time where I like go to the office to pick up something or like a tax document or, or yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like I got um, to see your dog. That was great. But yeah, it was wild at Gamma because like midway through the event, we're getting all this news that like schools aren't going to be reopening the Monday when we get back and like all these companies are shutting down and everybody's freaking out and the CDC is putting out guidelines and like it wasn't quite like lockdown lockdown like officially I think that they announced that on Monday but we're like getting hints that like this stuff is going to be happening and so we're like at the show like uh shaking I hands. guess we shouldn't <laughs> shake anyone's hand anymore right uh, everybody's going to like kind of stand far away from us now but it would like happen in the middle of the show that like everything went down it was wild yeah and and like 
saw Olivia. Like we were like in Reno. We like did yeah. the whole convention. But like, yeah, the NBA shut down while she we were there. She was like working with some company. So she was there. Like she yeah. came to our booth a few times because she was at the show, like working with some company. And yep. And like w- there was like, I think we went to a bar with the, like the Ultra Pro after party we went to and like saw people. Yeah, strangers. that's right. Sam got us in. Yeah. So uh, that was the last thing we did together at exactly <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And today, almost on the dot, we got the kind of the notification that Gen Con will is now being moved to September and they're planning on having it as as the world kind of is now becoming vaccinated with restaurants in L.A. open dining opening up. It's it's kind of like, oh, we're, we're at the precipice of the world turning back on. And we wanted to do an episode kind of about what does that mean? What does magic look like moving forward? What has changed probably maybe permanently going forward and what things might be, be done differently? And when do we think some of this is going to happen? And come at it from kind of a perspective of you. You've managed a card store. We both work and run a toy company that does kind of big convention shows from the back end. You were in charge, one of the people in charge at Kess at making sure we do those things correctly. <laughs> and so yeah. kind of walking through just our different thoughts also, going on that subject. In the space between those two things, I also had booths at GPs as a card store. Right, right, so right. So now I do big, toy show booths before i did small card store booths and got in trouble for selling comic books you weren't supposed to you were you oh were smuggling so comics. yeah that's such a funny story so so tim shields <laughs> is um he now runs the judge academy but he used to be a tournament organizer in california with cascade games um back when gps were run by lots of different people and cascade and channel fireball would like collaborate in a lot of west coast events um and so I don't remember if Channel Fireball was involved in this one, but it was like, it was our first GP was Portland and Tim Shields was like the TO. And we're like, well, we're a comic book store who's going to this GP. Nobody else is selling comics. Like we should just sell some comics. It's going to be dope. Like we're going to be the only ones doing it. And like, if we don't sell any, who cares? We're just going to, you know, bring them back in a box. Like it's not a big deal. And so Tim Shields comes up and he's like, oh, cool. Like <laughs> you guys are selling Saga. Like that book's so dope and cool. Like, you know, good job guys. And then he leaves. And then we get an email from him after the, sh- after the event that's like, hey, you do that (laughs) (laughs) well it it also could have been like he showed up thought it was dope and then was like oh yo these guys are selling comics at like the thing and then someone else who was like his call he was just like the the guy in charge or at the very least the public face of everything so like you like know. his like legal guy was like, oh, we have a deal that like you can only sell magic or magic adjacent products. Yeah. These I, I mean, like no beef. I'm, it's not supposed to be like, oh, man, I hate that guy. Like, I don't hate that guy. I think Judge Academy is super cool as I like have Saga. talked How about on just... this podcast. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was it was just like a funny interaction. So so, yeah. And like, you know, we're getting news. Uh, obviously, it's going to be weird, right? Like th- there was a moment where me and when you're like, oh, we're going to get vaccinated soon. Let's go to Disney World as soon as possible. And they were like, wait, I think easing into lots of people being around you sounds scary scary at first let's let's baby steps our way into that um and even with restaurants opening up i think that like i would probably wait till i was vaccinated before i would ever be willing to be in a restaurant with other humans because that sounds a lot like a lot and it's i feel like it's still going to be kind of scary yeah because there's going to be some anxiety about it yeah i mean like everybody is so used to staying away from other people and being like scared at the sight of crowds and people without masks and everything i mean i know i am like when i go outside to walk my dog i'm always like oh yeah no mask like i got across the street or whatever like and so going to a restaurant or a magic event or something like i think it would be scary even if i was vaccinated just because i have this like instinct now of like fear when i see like crowds of people or unmasked people or whatever 
Yeah, there's like there's a level of our like worst introverted intuitions of like strangers are bad uh, have like become the lifestyle of a year and like getting through that's going to be really interesting. I am also excited once once vaccinated to like me and my wife are unwilling to like walk next to someone on a street, but other people aren't necessarily that. So it just is like my life is anytime you want to walk somewhere is like running into the middle of the street and running back. And I'm excited to be vaccinated and be like, absolutely not. You can move. I'm walking straight. <laughs> I'm not moving off of the street. You can deal. <laughs> There's also like been throughout the pandemic, like shades of uncertainty where some people are like, whatever, it's no big deal. And other people are like, I'm never going, I'm not leaving my house. And other people are doing something in between and you don't know where people are at. Right. right. Like, and even once people are vaccinated, it's still going to be scary because there's these shades of doubt of like, well, how does COVID really work? Like, I heard a report on the news of somebody who got vaccinated getting it in Brazil or whatever, or like, you right, know, right. so there's still going to be like layers of fear because there's so much uncertainty and we're like researching this as it goes. There's going to be like, you know, layers of fear due to the uncertainty the same way there has the whole time where like at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody is like wiping down surfaces and being all careful. And then a few months in, we're like, oh, it doesn't really live on surfaces. But like a lot of people just kept doing that because it's like maybe better anyways or whatever, (laughs) you know, like I'm vaccinated, but it can't like can't hurt for me to stay inside or right not talk to people or leave my mask on or whatever, you know? So yeah, like I, we, we like, we don't wipe our groceries down or anything like that, but we go to my dad's house and we do it for them because they want it to be wiped down. And we're like, you know what? We'll respect that because they're just, they're at, they're at a much different extent. They're older. Right. So they, they have a little bit more of a fear right. tolerance though. I have asthma. So it's a battle of who's more susceptible to death. Yeah. My this wife also dark. has asthma. So we've um, been pretty, but let's bring this into the less going over our, the lives of the last year. Scary part more about kind of eventually life does open, you know, likely we'll do Gen Con. I mean, part of that is because we put a deposit down for Gen Con last year that they rolled over to this year. And I don't know if they'll let us get out of it. And <laughs> there's a level of also Gen it Con does politics. Sound like they'll let people get out of it. Yes. Which makes me think they may also let companies get out of it just because if the word on the street is that everybody is just deferring their ticket to 2022, like trapping companies into going is pretty shady. Yeah. But yeah. And and I think at that point they would maybe consider rescheduling it again. It, yeah. I think it. this is well, because this is what kind of happened. And this is why I've kind of been like magic fests aren't happening until 2022 at the earliest. I've been saying that basically since a year ago. And it's because. These things take a year to plan. There's an entire company that is paid year round to plan for one weekend of Gen Con that and that's and Gen Con's a big show, right? That makes sense. But like L.A. Comic Con, which was Stanley's Kamikaze, which is one of the smaller events that happens in Los Angeles, is an entire company is is just his job is to run that that event. And like every one of these conventions are a year round enterprise. And then like doing two years of planning and executing and paying all the people and putting all the deposits down to then have that show get canceled two years in a row would make it so that show would just never happen again. So so just like the ability to plan one of these events has to be really, really, really carefully like set aside. And like, I'm not like, you know, New York Toy Fair was canceled. They tried doing it in June and then they eventually they got close enough where they're they're like five months ahead and there was no sign of what was even getting close to where we are now. We're ahead of where we thought we would be. And still, it would be weird to do something in in, in June. Yeah. And a lot that's why a lot of these companies are so resistant to cancel their events and why there have been like a couple of anime conventions that happen like against all odds in Texas or whatever, because it's like 
they spent so much yeah they spent so much money and time and paying so many people year round to like plan these events this one event that they do once a year like it's canceled well yeah and 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 that was kind of one of the issues money back from some of the stuff that they've booked or whatever and some of it they can't and they can't get the money back that they paid people and you know right and that was one of the issues with like the government that's like the reason the dallas one happened is because all of that happened and then texas was like too bad yeah, we're not, and that we're almost not happened with Dallas Toy Fair, too. Yeah. Dallas Toy Fair in November almost happened. All throughout the summer, we're, like, sending them messages like, hey, we don't feel comfortable going. Like, what are we supposed to do? And they're like, well, you can't get your deposit back. Sorry, you signed something. And we're like, well, we're not going to go. And they're like, well, we can't cancel, so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. they didn't say that, but right. we knew that was it. Like, And then a very, and like at the very last moment, they're like, you know what? No one's showing up. Yeah, you're right. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that was what was weird about the beginning of the quarantine, too, is that like a year ago, we thought we would just be like, oh, well, I won't see you in three weeks. I'll see you through th- like a month from now at the longest. We'll be back in the office. And yeah. and obviously a year later, that's not what ended up happening. And yeah, so it's going to be. Uh, but like, luckily, the vaccines seem to be rolling out. I do think there's going to be a period over the next six months where tolerances on on willingness to go out into the world is going to. And for some people, it's going to be spring break, right? Like my sister, I'm already imagining just like as soon as she can be a social person again for the, like the first time in a while, like freely, she's like, she's going to Vegas. She's going to be out in the world. Um, even I like in a similar version of extroversion, I'm going to like try and hang out with friends that are also vaccinated or if I'm vaccinated, they're not like figure out a way to make that work as soon as I possibly can. And honestly, as soon as I could go to a magic event again, I, I will, I will be on the first plane to the first magic fest after this. And it's going to be interesting to see a, what do Magic Fests look like in the future? I mean, we were talking about before this happened that Wizards had strong incentives to phase out the Grand Prix system and to kind of move away from that model. And they were already kind of doing that in the way that pro play was structured. They've also totally gutted, reformatted, gutted again, reformatted, and then COVID happened how pro play works in general to the extent that I couldn't even explain to you now what it is. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And there's all these like weird holes where it's like, Oh, the person who won the last mythic championship isn't invited to the next mythic championship or whatever. Like, because it's so complicated, I can't, you know, say, but there's like people with like a lot of success who are like, you know, not qualified for random stuff or like, you know, people who are like very nearly rivals or whatever, who are just like, oh, I'm not qualified for anything because it's all or nothing. And it still seems like it's a bit of a shambles. But right now, I think that makes sense because literally everything in the world is in a, in yeah, a shambles. Correct, but, correct. but hopefully they're taking this time to think about OP and especially the, the especially paper OP and figure out what to do with it because we haven't got a lot of movement on digital op pretty much all they did for this year was just remove all the physical components of organized play and they kept rivals in the mpl and mythic championships or whatever and they Mm -hmm. were just going to do what they did with no no paper play and it kind of worked out for them because they had separated them into like two different trees right that i explained i had to learn about to explain on the podcast when they first did it I don't know where things are at now, to be honest. (laughs) There's obviously there's complaints about that. There's like pretty significant prize money that was promised that just kind of was removed that people qualified for. But that was another COVID thing. And then there's the complaint of like, you know, working in 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 manufacturing and retail. Yes, 
COVID had negative effects on the market, but the one place it did well on it sounds like is hobbies, activities, and, and consumer goods. So Wizards actually did better last year than years before. So the argument of why they had to cut that prize pool has maybe fallen short for people. On the other hand, right. they've also proven, oh, maybe we don't need to support this, to have this be a successful brand. Maybe these other things that we're doing are going to be better suited to grow this brand than investing a ton of money in prize support for paper yeah. tournaments. Well, that's the thing. I think I think that CFBE or Channel Fireball, CFBE being Channel Fireball events, the events vision of Channel Fireball, which I think is not operating right now, but sure, you know, some version of CFBE or Star City Games or whoever, somebody is going to fill the void and run paper magic events, big ones, right? right. Like now, does that look more like an old Grand Prix or like an old Star City where it's like, here is a tournament with some side stuff. Is it going to look more like a magic fest where it's like we're making an active effort to bring some side stuff to our tournament? Or is it going to be a convention that either doesn't have a single big tournament or it has a couple of big tournaments? Mm -hmm. But I mean, like Gen Con has huge magic tournaments. But they're not officially supported. It's not. Yeah. It's a convention, right? With magic yeah. tournaments. Now, obviously, like magic is never going to put on something as big as Gen Con with just the one brand, right? But you know, there's going to be like, you can do something that where it's like, here's like a couple of big cash prize. Here's like a couple of 5Ks. We're doing a 5K on Saturday and a 5K on Sunday. That's the whole prize. Uh, have fun. Right. There's artists, there's cosplayers, there's um, like panels yeah. and whatever have you. I think that the SEG system probably restarts because the, their reasoning for running those has nothing to do with the tournament series and is may, way more to do with like that's how they buy product is they run these tournament events around the country. It's it's much more of a purchasing show. And so for them, I can see them starting up shortly because I, I know that that that's something they've had issues with COVID. I can see Magic Fest Vegas coming back or like like there being four Magic Fest Vegas sized events, one maybe every season and and maybe per country or per, per region as like major magic conventions. Right. Like because Magic Fest Vegas is not a is not a GP. It's a it's a convention that has three GPs happening over it over a three day weekend. And that has always been successful and, I, and and is a good PR moment for Wizards beyond that. Like and maybe partnering more with like the stuff like Gen Con, like grassroots it again, uh, like g doing the two GPs a weekend all year round and have that be attached to pro play. Sounds like such an endeavor for something that I feel like is going to be quick to pick up now on the other hand you know like they don't have to be what they were recently they don't have to be those like netting 2000 attendees per event tournaments they can go back to being the like 250 people doing standard at la convention hall that was like two two years ago on a, like a dead format right i think there was like a grand pla that was middle of august standard was about to rotate no one cared standard wasn't very fun and so like it had low attendance and that, and sure, that was fine I, I guess like there is you can do a smaller scale event on purpose but like i don't think that there is any reason to hope for attendance to go down from anybody's perspective you know like sure channel fireball is able to like consistently bring a thousand to two thousand people to magic fests like year round you know however many times a year 35 or whatever i mean i don't know how many it is right. but like around the world right like they were able to do that and like it was pretty rare that a gp had less than like 800 people or whatever so will they still be able to do that maybe not but like i think from their perspective 
why would you strive for something less than that? You know, sure. I, and I mean, if you have a smaller, maybe they have a smaller budget and so they have no choice, or maybe they get a lot of their organized play incentives stripped away by wizards where you don't qualify for anything if you win one. I don't foresee that, but in the event that that happens, if wizards pulls back on paper organized play, or at the very least puts it more at the LGS level or something. Yeah, I mean, I still think as Channel Fireball, you're like, okay, well, what can we do sure. with the budget that we have, with the support from Wizards that we have to do to get the best attendance that we can? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's kind of an interesting coin where, A, I do know, like, one of the reasons that Wizards was, or, or Channel Fireball was having the issues it was having, like, there was, like, an artist protest in re- reference to Channel Fireball events because they weren't paying artists to show up and they were getting all this free advertising and not to mention content creators and other things that they were trying right. to get to the show. They were, they were kind of treating it like it was a favor to them. You, as an artist, are coming here to sell your stuff, sell your prints and sell your signature and, and you know, and, yeah, yeah charge people to sign their mat or whatever. And, you know, that is can be decent money as an artist, especially if you know how to hustle. But like, that's not how other conventions treat artists. If I'm a magic artist, I can go to Gen Con and get paid as like a special guest. I get my name in the brochure. People come because I'm there. I don't go because people are there. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But part of that is, you know, was that my understanding is that Channel Fiber actually underbid pretty much everyone else in their bid to be able to do the... The reason Channel Fireball got it is they underbid two wizards just how much this was going to cost them and how much this was going to cost wizards. And so they like the entire time they were doing that endeavor, they were hurting or barely making it work. And that's why all of those things were happening, right? They wouldn't do that there. This thing would be different here. So I wonder if they want out. I wonder yeah. if they don't want to be the sole TO for GPs. Right. Or like for they, Magic they got out of their I contract. I hadn't heard that, but this might have been good for them if they were losing money. Right. Or 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 they ask for more or it becomes more limited. Or my, I guess part of the point is, is that if they were to do it again, it's kind of the 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 post office problem. You know how like the post office isn't profitable. But the reason the post office isn't profitable is because they have to have offices in the middle of a single town, like a single person town in Oklahoma that no one but one person has access to because for the mail to work the way it does. Everyone in the country needs some amount of access to the post office and channel fireball is dictated by wizards like, oh, you have to have events in these countries, in these areas. You have to put an event in this city. You have to do this many per year, even when a standard is about to rotate. We like you got to do it. And if channel fireball is now up to like just picking where they're going to do. I mean, like, look at Star City Games, right? Star City Games stopped doing events in California. (laughs) <laughs> i like we went every year during kamikaze at the la convention center right. like across the hall the first time i met glenn was like, at kamikaze at an scg event when he interviewed us about top we're decking. not making money flying to these events we would rather just drive a truck so uh east coast and midwest only sorry yep, yep and 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 i think like that's that's what happens right like if 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 wizards isn't dictating these events have to happen at these locations regardless of how profitable they are that puts events into a much more like you have to be in a privileged location to be able to attend one of these big events which sucks i think that's that that is a a big negative i mean like you know south america has complained about this issue across the board the limited amount of support that they get and the the fact that they're included as the americas when they're like a totally separate continent has always been a big limiting factor to them and honestly of all of the arguments we got from last week's episode on the walking dead series the one that i am most conscientious of or the most most willing to kind of succeed succeed on is like international 
secret layers suck. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know if there's a good solution for them other than like offering them for sale on whatever distribution model that you distributed other things to those retailers, or at least stuff yeah, like they, The Walking they, Dead. They probably are going to have to go through distributors to do international or whatever. They're going to have to partner with somebody who has the ability to drop ship these to Europe and South America and wherever else, but then that adds cost. Right, right. And that makes something so much, much more expensive. Like magic is so much more expensive in Brazil, a country that the like how far your dollar goes is much lower like for instance we have trouble selling our under ten dollar product of spring summer toys because a ten dollar hoop that would be how much it would cost in brazil is significantly more than what normally would be spent on a toy so like magic being more expensive there a game that in the united states is an expensive hobby <laughs> uh and then the add the layer that like tournament organizers don't focus on that location sucks and yeah so i i it's going to be interesting to see like a do they come back what system do they follow do they even follow anything close i do think just like running four major tournaments per region not tournaments conventions and just doing it that model and then like let the SCGs and Channel Fireballs do their regional tournament series. And maybe you brought this up last time. What if you just gave SCG PT access? They did. That was one piece of big news from the the last OP announcement that I covered on the podcast was that they were giving um, SCG a few PT invites, presumably to use as they chosen chose. Like they give it to their, put it in their invitationals, or maybe they do opens. Or I'm guessing that like there were some terms and conditions from Wizards, but for the most part, SCG was going to get choose how to use them. Don't know because we didn't get told that. But SCG Bazaar de Bagda, and they said they were going to do some other partners, but those are the two they named in the article. Right, Bazaar de Bagda being a big South and Central American TO, and so yeah, like they were going to start to branch out a little bit. And kind of, okay, well, Channel Fireball gets all the magic fests, and we're going to support those in the way they're going to support those, but we're going to spread organized play out a little bit. Like, magic fests don't have to be the only way to do organized play. Magic fests aren't the only way to, like, qualify for the Pro Tour and get into, like, the Wizards official right. circuit or whatever. So one thing that I've been advocating for, I think I've done it on the podcast, but I've definitely done it in a lot of private conversations, is that magic fests are just conventions. And I think that they are better when they're conventions, especially mm -hmm. with them stripping away pro points and stripping away invites to the point where each GP is getting or each Magic Fest was getting like one invite or something plus prize money. They didn't strip away the prize money, but it's like you're just this you're just turning this into a convention. You're inviting right. more cosplayers, more artists, you're doing more panels, you're doing more special events like, you know, play cube draft with your favorite streamers and or pros or whoever and pay to play in that magic project like mystery boosters where it's it's like this making these more things that you have to go to experience specific yeah. things and that's a product that is literally for magic fests i mean obviously they distributed them to stores as well during covid which sucked but but like it would have been fun chaos drafts but the fact that there were like test cards that they printed like they went to the effort of like designing and printing those and figuring out a frame that worked and did all the graphic design. I mean, obviously they're like kind of ugly, but like it still worked to do that. And that was just for Magic Fest. So like Magic Fests are conventions. You should pay for a badge. Absolutely. Like, Security would be better if you paid for a badge. Yes. Here, here's here's Safety. my proposal for Magic Fests. You pay for a badge. It's five or ten dollars. It doesn't have to be a lot. But if you enter one of the Grand Prix tournaments or they can make a list of tournaments if you enter any of these tournaments. If you spend $20 on any combination of tournaments, you like get a credit, right? Because Channel Fireball is doing everything digitally now anyway. So you would buy a badge on their website. 
your name would be in the system. When you go to sign up for the event, it would say like you have a $10 credit because you bought a badge or a $20 credit or a $30 credit, whatever they have to charge to make it work, right? You get a credit towards the command fest or maybe the command fest is part of your package when you sign up or whatever. You know, there, there's all sorts of ways to give you a credit with your badge that makes it not feel bad, that you can like easily recoup that value, get the EV, whatever magic players like to do, but but like just charge people to come in the door and that way you can pay your artists, you can pay your panelists, you can pay for more cool stuff and it doesn't just feel like a tournament with like a weird free convention grafted onto it. Yeah, you if you by paying to enter the uh, enter the show, you get like X amount of drafts per day pl- uh, passes you by plus command zone access, plus maybe like one or two other cool swag items or just the swag item you get from entering the GP. Like if I enter a Grand Prix, I get a playmat, I get a promo card, and I get like a, a pad of pepper, a cool case, like some other random adjacent channel fireball merch. Just give that to every person who enters, but every person yeah, enters give everybody has to a pay. promo. Yeah, give everyone a promo. promo. There's like a promo if you get the command vest. Maybe it's a soul ring or whatever they decided to do next year, arcane signet or something. You know, they give you some commander staple that's cool for command fest. If you join the Grand Prix, they give you some cool tournament staple like the Primeval Titan, Stoneforge Mystic, whatever they've done in the past. And if you just walk in the door, you get something too. Maybe you get a, you know, a cool basic land or a. Or or the command zone promo is the promo for everyone who enters. And then there's an additional one if you are in the Grand Prix, right? Like you can do. Because I don't think I don't I think like in some ways this is just a command zone. The one thing that I don't love about the like tournament with a free convention grafted onto it is that people go to Magic Fest for so many different reasons. And if they want people to go for reasons other than a tournament or other than a command fest or whatever, they need to like they need to make sure that the pricing scheme works for everybody. Like sure. if I'm paying to get into the command fest, but all I want to do is play modern in the main event, like it sucks to be like, oh, I'm paying $50 for this stupid command zone pass that I don't want. Like get this out of here. Like I don't want a soul ring. So that's why I'm sure. thinking like a credit, like a credit that you can put towards stuff or different packages that you buy when you buy your badge, right? Like maybe it's just $10 to walk around, but I can pay you know, $50, $50 to get in the command yeah. zone or $60 to get into my whatever. And it comps your badge because people are going to these things and spending money anyway. There's very few people just sitting in tables for free doing literally nothing that involves money. The one problem is that Channel Fireball makes a lot of their money. So SCG makes their money off, sell- off buying cards. Channel Fireball makes their money off like selling space to vendors. Artists included, unfortunately. But the, like people are less likely to show up to sell their cards. Like a lot of times me... Or, or other people that I know would like wait for a GP to come into town because they can like shop their cards around to a bunch of people and negotiate in person and find cool stuff to trade for with their store credit or whatever. And so that gets harder if you have to pay. Like sure. if I'm taking 20 bucks off the top of whatever cards I sell because I have to buy a badge, like that does feel kind of bad. You could but... also you could also have the shopping section of a Grand Prix outside of the main convention. That's true. They would have to like, well, they'd have to get another hall because there's enough vendors. There's so many vendors. That's and true. I also think the vendors being close to the tables is super beneficial because what yeah. happens is people are in the main event. They're playing mono red. So they finish their match. They like go walk around the hall, look at cards like what are they doing they're just waiting for their match they can't leave the hall they can't go join a draft they're just gonna you know walk around look at cards maybe they buy something maybe they right, see right, something right. they want to buy later yeah it, it, it's 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 in, like that's probably the biggest issue and or maybe just channel fireball has a like i'll buy your cards out in front <laughs> if you want to get access to be able to barter with people it'll be an extra 20 bucks and hopefully your collection is worth enough where you're making the margin there. But yeah, I also think like, I think security would be better. I, I guess it on Shivan Bot's podcast, Casual Magic, a few weeks ago. And basically what we ended up talking about was just like the history of like the forefront of casual content creation 
and where that has kind of lied in the the eyeballs of viewers over the last decade. Because when I started making content creation with top decking, it basically was us and loading ready run. And just like every other magic content creator was making content for tournament play magic. There was like SEG and like there was like, you know, the Sheldon was making commander content, but it was like not nearly as established as it is now. They hadn't made a commander set yet even. Um, and like, like the closest thing to casual content were like actually now all, most of them are weirdly problematic. It were like the Travis Woos of the world who are making like brews that aren't good. <laughs> but let's let's take him for a spin. I mean, I assume at the time there were also like people doing like box openings or collector stuff, like alpha investments type stuff. Like yeah, there, was any of that around back then? So so pack openings were happening. Like the biggest magic YouTuber at the time of I think top decking was a pack opener, right? I figured that's universal for any collector collectible. Correct. It's gotta be. I mean, obviously like MTG Five finance has gone through the roof since then as well but there had to have been something you know yeah, yeah. And, and magic find and, and, yeah there, there there was other content creation yeah the, the statement that there was no one else but us and and llr is 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 definitely fictitious but there it was like a much smaller focus and the bigger players in magic were not making that content it was people on their own on youtube or on smaller platforms or you know because there's always like there's the goblin lore or that one website that jewels was a big part of that they were like doing gathering custom magic sets. gathering magic was also a blog site that was coming out with articles but it was still pretty pro magic play focused jules wrote yeah, for well, them jules, he, jules he wrote commander a... articles for them oh you're talking about goblin artisans yes i'm talking the, about like, goblin design artisans. blog i, yeah, I, yeah, I mean yeah. I, that was like a blog I, I guess it's content right but right right right, right. That, but like paid for it <laughs> it was much more wild west and then and we talked definitely recommend listening to that because we go through the whole thing but but basically over the last 10 years pro players as a focus of personality within magic have fallen to no longer be the most significant thing and people like jimmy and josh or christine sparkle or tappy or olivia shivam <laughs> for that matter um who are making content that's much more focused on not just who wins the tournament in magic but like the culture around magic and the people in magic and that's a lot of content for a convention, right? Like we've done panels of cool, fun games. Tappy does one, did two last year. We did two last year. There's like all of the different artist stuff that you can do. There's obviously the infinity cosplayer stuff that goes on. Like there's so much cool stuff that goes on at a convention that having a real budget behind it could do really cool stuff. You could do stuff like the escape room, the Innistrad escape rooms that they did at GP Chicago or, or Detroit right before Shadows of Innistrad came out and like during Eldrazi winter. And like that stuff was really cool. And I think more of that is good. And I'd rather have some big events that kind of focuses on cool stuff than necessarily doing thousands of regional tournaments, I guess. Yeah. And, and I do agree. I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, if they want to have paper organized play, you got to do thousands of regional tournaments. But, you know, like you can decentralize a little bit, do more PTQs, less Magic Fest. But at the end of the day, like having too much OP focused in the LGS, like the Planeswalker point system or, you know, PPTQs or whatever is like kind of tough because like some people they go to their lgs and they play in a 500 person ptq or whatever and some people go to their lgs and they play in like a 16 person ptq it just feels like it's weighted it, it's like it's like yeah it's weird it, it it's not like super duper problematic because at the end of the day everybody goes to the pro tour and plays the same tables with the same people but like i i got basically the invention of the pptq system was the invention of me no longer wanting to play pro play because it went from a big ptq that was basically a mini gp that I would prioritize going once a season. It would happen at one of like two locations in the area. Maybe I would do two if we got lucky. And then, and that was great because I could prioritize that, right? I could be like, okay, this Sunday I'm going to do that. But with the PPTQ system, it was like, there was a grind every week. Literally or every die. weekend. Yeah. And, and like eventually I was like, I was like, well, I, my, 
my now wife, then girlfriend was just like, absolutely not going to let me play in a magic tournament every weekend. <laughs> uh, like I don't want to, I don't, don't want to play in a magic yeah. tournament every weekend. I have other interests. I want to hang out with people. I want to use my Disneyland pass that I have no idea what it's going to look like going forward, but no idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, like just like prepping for prepping for one PTQ or one for GP is a blast doing the two week grind beforehand of mastering the, for the format, figuring out what your sidebar is going to be doing all the analysis you can, and then doing well in it. You feel like a mini pro tour player, right? Like it's one of the things that's cool when you have to do a weekly event at LGS is it's not that you're, you're now a grinder and that's a lifestyle and some people can be good at it, but I don't think it's good for every person. Now, on the other hand, if I'm wizards and I'm looking away, what's the most feasible way for me to have paper magic pro play happen with the least amount of investment on our part that does give benefits to LGSs in a time where people think we need to do more than more of that. That's the system that I would look at. Like it does suck from a grinder perspective, but there's also an argument that like, maybe if you want to be a professional magic player, you have to do grinding. They're also providing more paths, right? I mean, in order to be successful on arena, it's a lot of grinding. Don't get me wrong, but it's a much different, type of grinding than going to a PPTQ every weekend, right? So they are providing multiple paths to pro play. And and in fact, even Grand Prix was a path to pro play, right? It was not, it's never been the best one, but it is one that people have been successful at. So, you know, you go, you qualify for your first PT, you do well enough to PT to qualify for the next PT and bam, you're a pro player because you top eight at a GP or whatever, top four, you know, so... Right, it it right. happens. And, you know, there's so many pros and cons, but I think paper play will come back in some way. And I do hope that LGSs get their piece of the pie. But at the end of the day, you do have to have big regional tournaments, be they PTQs or GPs or whatever, because I think you need a step between LGS and the PT, you know? Yeah. At least agreed. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't think I don't think GPs are going away. And 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 maybe it's like GPs become more conventions, they became but like PTQs take over. Because the problem with that happened with PTQs, the reason the PTQ system went away was because they became unmanageable tournaments. They became the attendance of these events were larger than GPs, but they were single day events, and there was no way like you would your cut to top eight would just like have like weird percentage points because your round one opponent decided to drop out of the tournament after the first round. You could have had a perfect record for the rest of the day, but because that happened, you couldn't top eight. So like, yeah, especially in places like SoCal, our, our PTQs were just like 500 people or whatever. Right. It was like, crazy. and so, so I think there's a possibility of doing something like a two day PTQ system that's like meant to be a smaller version of a GP and then have GPs go more the way of big tournaments that are less often and have wider distribution and like maybe you create a hybrid model of those two yeah. things. One thing that I do like is the command fests that they piloted right before COVID where they did they did two of them in the winter, right? They did two in November and one in December. They did Chicago. Yeah, it was all in the winter. It was Chicago and Seattle were the same day. Uh, and then they did DC. SCG in, ran the DC one. Yep, in December. Yeah, so so they just started that. They were presumably collecting data. They were going to plan more. Gavin was tweeting about it like, oh, everybody loves this. We're going to plan more. Don't worry, guys. And then it was like, there's a pandemic. Sorry. But that is a step in the right direction to me because that is like a magic convention that's completely decoupled from competitive play. Right. Well, I don't like, necessarily think that this convention, like this convention model serves competitive play because like you said, you want like a handful of big conventions a year. You right. want four max in North America and maybe one in Europe, one in Asia or whatever, one in South America, wherever, like wherever you want to do the big ones. Yep. But you don't want more than like, you know, 10 globally around the world, but you're going to have more than 10 tournaments around the world. So 
And I think it, it'll be interesting. Like, well, it was, there was interesting things with the command fest, right? Uh, the, the one in DC, you did have to pay to get entry, right? It was, it was using that model. As you mentioned, retailers hated it. <laughs> uh, for two reasons one because the type of cards they sell at those events are different than pro play you don't have people on the first day trying to buy the staples they need to win you have commander players who have one deck and like maybe want one card so your pos is low and they also don't necessarily have like the last year's worth of draft chaff in a box that they need to get rid of and offload to sell to you so you like you're missing on both ends of like buying and selling at these events and yeah, then your working- point Working at a store, commander player buying habits are super duper weird because everybody needs like weird stuff. They typically do not sell cards except like once every five years in a huge chunk, which can be good for a retailer. But, you know, if you hit people on their on their off years, honestly, (laughs) I think like the CDH community is maybe one of the biggest benefits to vendors at these events in a long time maybe yeah, or like I mean, commander is also constantly growing like the yeah. state of commander after this year is probably different from what was when they ran the command right. fest honestly like it, it's just it's continuously growing more and more and they're printing more product specifically for commander like if you're a vendor and you bring your stock of like cool secret lair foils and commander legends etched foils or whatever maybe you do make a killing in a command yeah. fest who knows and and i would even point out that like there are things that are easy to like like they didn't have mystery boosties at the command fest which was like a mistake right like they, they could have very easily just had limited events at the time did they, they did because they, they piloted it at the gp in october and so it was like october onwards remember there's the like the end of the year tournaments you could just grab them and drop out and they were like each worth 40 bucks or something ridiculous and so they like when i was when we did reno they they the judge showed up and opened it for us <laughs> making sure we well and a lot of my drafts at reno with were like were with like primarily commander playing friends like yeah shivam and olivia and you know, Happy people who just and, wanted to get a get a fun cat. commander or a fun casual chaos draft in and everybody had a blast. And then they went on to do their like mystery booster box seal with where they played commander, which was kind of a precursor to boxing league. Yeah. When they did the booster, mystery booster boxes. So like there is a, you know, there's enough sealed product that appeals to commander players. You can run drafts. You can run commander legends drafts. You can oh, run yeah. battle bond drafts. If you know, you've got them in the vault, you can run chaos drafts or mystery booster drafts or two at a giant draft or, you know, of a standard set. You like, there's ways to, to monetize a command fest better if, if the money isn't there. Right. But also you're charging for passes to get in and people are getting promos and they're getting, you know, some sort of prizes, which prizes are sketched to me, but they were doing it. So And well, and the prizing, the prizing was always like you get some tickets. That was always the we- funny thing. Like at at command fests in general, there was like there's this like underlying you could get points and turn those points into the prize wall that I just degaffed on 100 percent of the time. I just was like, oh, like someone's like, oh, I want to do a point game, and I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I did not read the directions that far. Um, but yeah, so like in the incentivization, if people want to be incentivized, that's fine. I also think like, you know, playing with power and Braden from the CDH cast have have run CDH tournaments, right? There's a way to do it. And they've had success at it. And doing that as a small event on the side, where people are also playing commander that are casual and just have a space. I think there's a way to cater to all of these things. And I think just like, the problem I had with the command fest system was that there are like, I wanted a hybrid, I want a magic fest without the Grand Prix, basically. And I just like and or have the Grand Prix, but like have the whole thing be catered in all directions. And I think it would be really successful. And I don't think you need that. Uh, Yeah, like, 
do panels, do do cosplay things, have artists. And I think the Command Fest was a was a was an experiment in that direction. Right. They they weren't the full Magic Fest because I don't think that the TOs were willing to go all in. They were they were a step where it's like, what if we just run a completely casual magic convention? Right, mm-hmm. we're not going to give them all the trimmings to start out, but let's see how it goes. Let's see yeah. if, you know, let's see if we wizards like it. Let's see if whatever TO is running it likes it. Let's see if the players like it. Vendors, you know, yeah. we can make something work here. Maybe we have our and list. That's of... why it was cool that we were like right on the cusp of that. And then SCG had been running conventions. For all of 2020, and I think they ran them in 2019 too. They do too, right? Uh, the SCG cons, yeah, they, they have two. Hard. And they're really successful. I mean, that's like that for sure. When talking to Tappy or Christine, that's like that's I their favorite the event. About them. Yeah, yeah, that's their like favorite event of the year. Yeah, and they run them, they do run their invitational there. So they have like a big event there, but it's not an open event, but they also have open events and they also have like panels and cosplayers and everything else. It right. was like their way of trying to like create a GP Vegas situation at, you know, on, on their coast <laughs> right i was like literally prioritizing going to spring seg con in 2020 and then COVID happened <laughs> yeah but there's just been a lot of like you know a lot of recognition in the last couple years and i think especially this year that like casual play is big and you can cater to it you know you don't need to have everything be a tournament right right like that was the whole i mean you know we've, we've talked on the cast a hundred times about how command fests happen, or not even command fest, how how command zones happened, right? Where like Grand Prix LA with 30 of the bigger content creators in the world were all stuck in like a small food court outside the convention hall trying to make commander games work, including and wizards all employees. Angrily about and it. All <laughs> tweeting angrily about it. <laughs> and the next event they had a command zone. <laughs> I actually do like competitive magic. I am hopeful for a world in which like we can have these magic conventions that do not focus on competitive magic. And I do think the state of pro play sucks. And I wish that it was better. Like at Reno, where we're like hanging with all our commander player friends, we're going to the command zone, we're playing commander, we're going to do a mystery boosty drafts, we're doing more casual magic because we're hanging out with casual friends. I did like go do a couple standard drafts because I'm like, I'm at a GP. I need some competition. Yeah, I mean, like I love to play in the main events and stuff too. And that's why I do hope that these things follow SCG cons lead where you do some big open tournaments, they just don't need to be a Grand Prix that qualifies you for the Pro Tour necessarily. Or they could be like multiple PTQs. Like you do you do an invitation yeah. on multiple PTQs and you're there. Or you do... Yeah. Or you just have a Grand Prix. Like, to be honest, the part, the fact that the Grand Prix is there is not a problem. I have no problem with the Grand Prix being there. I do think that you can have the Grand Prix there and just have the Grand Prix entry include entry to the the convention, right? Like that yeah. can easily be what yeah. that is. Right, because then tournament players are still going to show up. They're going to spend the same amount of money. They're not going to be mad about the badge fee because it just rolls into the price of their tournament. But you get to make money off the people who want to get their cards signed and you're paying the artists. So maybe getting their cards signed is a lot cheaper. Also, just security wise, you don't have like random people who may want to do harm to people to walk in or you don't have like the incentive of just like going there to steal some stuff is less because you had to pay to get in there and you can pay to have cosplayers have cool stuff or you can do panels because you're charging people to go in. You can pay for stuff to be cool that's there for them to do. Right. And you can pay for installations like an escape room or something or whatever. Right. I mean, the other thing that and I think SCGCon does do it this way. The two day tournament is tricky because like I am at a magic convention. I want to do a lot of cool magic convention stuff while I'm there. I only go to a few a year, pretty much like two or three. Mm -hmm. So 
like I want to go hang out with my friends that I don't see all the time. I want to go get cards signed. I want to go check out the cool foils at the vendors or whatever. But like I'm locked into this two day tournament and it feels really bad. Like I made day two of Vegas and it's Vegas, right? It's the biggest magic fest of the year every year. And I'm like drafting and I go like, I don't know, two one in my first draft or something. And I'm like, well, I'm X four now, I think could probably still cash. I'm going to take my packs, Judge. I'm out of here. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I think I think that in some ways, like you can you can also limit it to have like a Grand Prix and PTQs. And in your position, you probably should just do PTQs. That still allows you to right. be like competitive. Like if I could have one day of competitive, like that's why GP Vegas was so great for me, because I had one day of competitive magic. I had another day where I just hung out in the command fest, all command zone all day right. and just like chilled, you know? Right, right, right. And that's and- that's like what that's like my dream event, right? Like I know that there are people on other sides where they would play on Saturday PTQ and the Sunday PTQ if they didn't make it, right? Yeah. And that's like a day that's a that's a two day tournament for you. You know what? It's yeah. fine. And and like some people just want to chill in the command fest the whole time. They don't they don't care for competitive magic. Maybe right. they want to do some chaos booster draft on the side or whatever, or go to a panel, but like I want all of it. And honestly, I would cap them. Like if, if the problem is these tournaments are so popular that there's a two-day event like cap it well I and mean, if you run two yeah, yeah you run two so like for the yeah. ptq problem i was describing right the problem with ptqs is that they're open events they like it was hard to cap them and because they were they only happened in that area once in a while but if these events if you have two of them and you say we're capping this at x sorry and and or even we're capping it at x but top four gets a pro tour invite and top 16 gets you know, day two entry and gets two buys or something. There's like different ways you could do it that makes it so it even feels attached. There's like ways to do that that is not hard that could make a really cool experience and still allow the Michaels of the world to go through a tournament, feel great about it, and then and then go hang out with people on the next day or, you know, whatever, what have you. So I think yeah, there's I like... Yeah, I opened like a Force of Negation and a Renin 6 for my GP entry. I got two drafts worth of Modern Horizons and a sealed. It was... I mean, I, I felt accomplished for making day two. I always like... You know, I really enjoy competitive magic, but I don't think my skill level is there to expect to cash a GP. I've never done it before. I don't expect to top eight the PTQ even. Right. But I like the thrill of playing competitively. You know, yeah. like I think that's an important part of magic to me. And I would like to be able to get that at my magic convention while also jamming some commander and hanging out with my friends. And, you know, and to be honest, if I was if what you described was available for a three day event, I would definitely do one of the one day PTQs. And then like two other days, hang out with friends, like, or like Friday, Saturday, hang out with friends. And then on the Sunday where like, I live in LA, the thing happened in Vegas, my flight's 30 minutes long and I'm not even driving. And I can just like do that event. Everyone's leaving anyways, cause they have to fly to go back home to Minneapolis or, or DC or New York. And so like, I can, I can, that's the day I don't have as many friends. I get to play in a tournament. I lose normally <laughs> and I go home with whatever cool experience I had to try and win. So like, yeah, I think there's really cool ways to do it, to blend all these models. And I do think that this moment gives wizards the chance to really try and see if they want to reset and, and figure out a new system that works yeah. better for everyone. Yeah. My concern is that we haven't seen. So I guess it's like a concern and possibly also an explanation. We haven't seen them do anything to digital play this year despite the fact that all play has been digital they pretty much have just been like yeah stay the course you know no paper this year but we'll figure it out so that either means they're going to be doing a big announcement that involves paper and digital or maybe it means they're not thinking about it right now they're thinking about other covid related stuff right like there's a lot going on in magic at all times including in the you know in the physical space and the digital space 
then maybe we, you know, if, if they're putting off GPs until 2022, maybe they're just now starting to talk about it. Who knows? You know, right. so right. I don't know. That's why I was thinking like CFBE and SCG and whoever else might be taking the reins going forward because they want to get things going quickly. And Wizards is like, oh, actually, we've kind of been focusing on XYZ right now. Uh, I don't know. Here's some promos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's like an argument that like their model survives now without tournament play. Like uh, uh, Arena m needs something, I guess. But even that, like, I think there's a lot of people out there, like the majority of people that spend money on Magic do not care about tournament play. It's true. And that's always been true. But I, I don't I don't believe the doomsayers that are like, oh, they're obviously moving all tournament play to arena and they're going to phase out paper tournament play and it's going to be all commander. I, I don't believe that in the same way that I don't believe they're going to phase sure. out MTGO, you know, like all these all these different ways to play mesh together. And they have been better or worse at meshing them together at different points in history. But I don't think that they I don't think that this is their window to just kill paper OP. I agree. I agree. I think it may it's going to look different and it may be more decentralized. It may be more centralized if they do, you know, 10 Magic Fests a year and they're all very important. Or maybe it's more decentralized and they just do a bunch of PTQs or maybe they go back to normal and, you know, with right. some Command Fests, right? They do Magic Fests as they were before, but here's a new type of Magic Fest. It's a Command Fest. We're going to focus more of our efforts getting cosplayers and artists at these things. We're going to charge people at the door to do more special events. And the turn, the Magic Fests are just GPs now, basically, like old right. GPs, where they didn't focus on the Fest part. It was more the Magic, right? Here's the Magic. Here's the Fest. So, yeah, I think I think they could do that. That's like, it, and honestly, that's like the most likely alternative. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I do think that the next six months in, like is going to be a moment where they kind of have to start thinking about it. I don't think this stuff gets implemented until the following year. And I think that like, we'll, we'll see where it ends up. We'll see an announcement of an announcement of an announcement pretty soon. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know if we have too much to say about it. Uh, just like in store. I do think like one announcement that was weird is that in the fiscal return, you know, the end of or beginning of year announcement, they announced that they are looking to pull away a little bit in LGS support or like figuring mm. out ways to do, or what was it? Do you know the, that's that's what was easily misinterpreted and they okay. like put out a statement that was like hey this isn't what we said or either some pr person on their team did or it was official i don't know but he said the ceo said that we're looking at channels beyond our network of specialty retailers which we already know because of secret layers and because of arena and because of everything it's like Correct. they are in amazon they started selling on amazon direct and walmart direct and all these things right but that's not the same as we're pulling back it's just we are exploring other avenues, which, you know, capitalism companies got to grow yep. as much as they possibly can and explore every possible avenue. But I don't take that to mean we're pulling away from LGSs, at least not any more than they already have. And I'm hoping to see some initiatives to support LGSs. I have been on the record saying I do not think secret layers are the way to do it, because if I were an LGS, I would not know how to buy secret layers and I do not want to buy them. Like if Wizards was like, hey, you know, call up your distributor and see how many OMG kitties you can get. And the distributor is like, yeah, we got plenty. You want 20? I'm like, can I sell 20 OMG kitties? God, am I missing out on an opportunity if I don't buy them? What's going on? I hate this. So like, so I have a question though. Would you buy secret layer cards as a store owner? Just the same way you buy normal cards though? Like once it's out, like I, and how, yeah, how, parts. yeah. I guess that was my thought with them. And when we talked about it last week was. But when a card has like a set value. So like from the vaults, we would sit on, we would like sit on them and for well, a long time. Right. And from the vaults, we're a different type of product. And I think that they need something like that, or they need like 
very desirable FNM promos or very desirable some sort of promos. And they they have not been coming through on promotional stuff for stores. But I think that's the way to do it, right? Like something that is exclusive to a store that you can get there. From the vaults were cool because the store bought them for cheap. You would get an allocation based on like your, you know, how many players you had and how many events you were running in a year and stuff. So it was like rewarding you for running a lot of organized play. And it's like, here's these from the vaults. We're charging you, I don't remember how much, but something like 20 bucks or whatever. You're going to be able to sell them for like 70. So great. You know, here's, here's, we're going to throw you a bone. And secret layers like don't serve the same purpose to me, even if they were like, this is LGS only or whatever. We're not going to sell it online because they're too niche. I like secret layers personal. Like, okay. My, here's my official secret layer stance. I don't know if I've said it on here before. They're not for me. I don't foresee myself ever buying a secret layer. I just, I mean, they're cool. Maybe if there's one that's cool enough, I'll buy it at some point. But I like that they exist because I think it's cool for Magic to kind of branch out and look at other art styles and look at like weird frame treatments. And I think it's cool that they exist. And I'm glad for people who like get their cool Godzilla lands that they're into or their cool Titans that are look like Kaldheim Titans that are dope or their, you know, weird metal cards with the wonky frame like i think that stuff is cool and it's a good way for magic to branch out without putting that stuff in booster packs or whatever but it's niche on purpose if they came with the disney themed kumano commander secret lair that came with a pack of disney themed mountains you wouldn't be yeah. hyped. <laughs> yeah 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 we'll we'll see about that when it happens oh but what i'm saying is like from the vaults were like broadly exciting no matter what they tried their hardest to make sure that there were like enough value in there that people would want it there were like some cool reprints or stuff that had never been foil before like they threw a p3k card in there just for good measure they like tried to make sure that they were as broadly appealing as they could because they wanted them to truly be a boontail gs's but sometimes you just couldn't sell them by chance like from the all angels we sat on like five of them for like three years and barely like sold them on ebay or something for like less than msrp so like that's what would happen with secret layers in my in my opinion some of them would fly off the shelf and we'd be able to charge more than msrp and it would be a great boon but some of them would be like random stuff that is just people are not that into and we would we would take the hit right right now nobody's taking the hit wizards just doesn't print as many they print them to demand so if nobody wants them they don't print them and if right. a lot of people want them they print a lot of them and that's the that's the way to make niche cards like that or niche well and and kind of my argument was that lgs's can just buy secret layers honestly the fact that it's that limited window is better for lgs's than if it was just like wizards started selling cards right because now if an lgs think it'll be popular or if it's popular post fact lgs can buy cards from people or buy them at like the 50 percent market yeah, they normally so, buy staples for and then so once they're out i would be willing as an lgs to buy them at market value because i have like a history you know like once right. and i would be i would be nervous about buying them when they first come out the same way i am booster pack cards you know right. like when kaldheim comes out people are like oh dude check out my coma it's worth 15 dollars i'm like 15 dollars I'll, I'll give you like five dollars for that i don't three dollars i I don't think that's going to be a big thing and i do the same thing with secret layers right but at least you have something to go off of right you're like i can look at tcg player ebay or whatever my preferred as a store method of figuring out a baseline price for a card and i can be like yeah this is how much people are willing to pay for this so it's a much safer bet for me also i get the card immediately i can immediately sell it now 
I think there are retailers that are just buying 50 Walking Deads and sitting on them for a year and then yeah. flipping them and making a ton of money. But that's hard to do as a store because you tie up all your money in something that you is risky. And then it's like sure. not it's not a great way to be a store, right? You need to you need to get stuff in that is pretty easy to sell and you need to sell it. Like so, you're not an investor, you're a store. But isn't there like a benefit? Because like for a while there, standard sets were just so bought that like most standard staples weren't worth that much. So the buying and selling of standard staples was not the most profitable business. But having this much wider number of decently valued cool promos that you can kind of buy and sell to people, isn't that like something in the market that would generally be beneficial to LGSs? No. I mean, I haven't worked in an LGS since Secret Lair came out. Maybe I'm wrong about this. But my guess is that like the existence of more cards that could be worth money is not... There's 20,000 cards that you can buy and sell. I don't need an extra hundred a year you know like sure, what's the difference sure. <laughs> like yes maybe somebody comes in and buys that cool alternate art mimeoplasm or whatever but like if that alternate art mimeoplasm didn't exist i would have just sold them a regular one or maybe they would have bought saved their money and bought an earthcraft or something instead i like i don't know <laughs> i mean i do i do know in response to the episode we did about the walking dead that we did get a lot of feedback that was like Walking Dead has been great for the store, partially because this was magic product I could buy to appeal to my comic book audience as well, right? Like it was something yeah. that they so were able to. That's that's a special, like the licenses are weird as a retailer because we were a comic book store. I would have looked into maybe buying some for the shop, but like uh, taking Walking Dead out of the equation. <laughs> well, but that's 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 part of the future of the conversation. Licensing is a, is a part of the future of the conversation. That is yeah. definitely true. I think one of the things that is interesting, one of the reasons that that reaction was so bad is because people were already mad at Secret Layer due to the relationship with them in LGSs, except that Walking Dead might have been the best one for LGSs since these have started because of the second comment of that, like, this is a product for a wider audience than just magic players because you could sell it to comic book stores, etc. I mean, I don't want to rehash the Walking Dead issue because Correct. I can tell you why there are more reasons than that that people are mad. But yes, well, yeah, we did. Uh, this was these were based on comments that we got after the episode that we did a whole episode last week where we talked about it. I don't want to talk about it now either. Sure. If but... you would like to rebut all the YouTube commenters <laughs> on air this week, uh, no, I'm going to sit out because I wasn't on the episode and I also didn't read any of the comments. Uh, it's it's you don't have to it's fine what i will say is is and this was something that was brought up on our discord was that the thing i like about secret layers are their their league of legends skins their their apex skins yes i like that and like when a, when a league of legends skin pack comes out like the battle academy skins that are coming out soon or whatever and i'm like i do not care for anime and these do not appeal to me fine you know i don't care so i have my friends in who I talk about League of Legends with, they're all like, oh, this is so sick, dude. Caitlyn's gun is also a sword. Dope. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's how I feel about Secret Lairs, right? Like, for the most part, they're not for me. And I think it would kind of take a lot for them to be for me because I like my cards to have a consistent aesthetic. So, like, yeah. I play all modern border cards in modern. I don't like to be like, oh, my ops are old border because they don't match. It's not right. Yeah. Although, uh, the Mystic Arc, Japanese Mystic Archive ops may be my new go-to ops. We'll see. But, because that's cool enough to me, right? Most stuff is not cool enough to me. But some like, a secret layer could come out that's cool enough for me. Yeah. But I do not foresee myself being that interested in them, and I have not been interested in one yet. But right. I mean, you would need you would need a thing that you like to come out that is a secret layer that is on a card that you also like. Yeah, I find myself enjoying a lot of corners of Magic. Like I enjoy casual play and commander i enjoy competitive play and draft and modern and i enjoy 
like, you know, the social aspect of talking with people and, you know, hanging out with my friends and I enjoy the art and the story. Like I enjoy a lot of aspects of magic, but collector is not one of them for me. <laughs> sure, 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 like sure. I, I have a very small collection. I, I sell all of my draft common, like my draft rares, and I buy modern staples with that money. And then I have like a small binder of modern staples and that's it. That's fair. And I'm, 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 I am not a collector, but I like cool alternative art things in the sense that like, as soon as I start liking a character in League of Legends, I buy a skin. Uh, I've bought in a few of these secret layers because I want the cool white bordered Tybalt or <laughs> the um, the dope mimeoplasm. That was the April Fool's thing, right? Yeah, so they replaced, it was Squire originally, but it was using yeah, problematic I, I, yeah, we don't things need to go. that I don't need to get <laughs> into. I knew I knew about the Squire issue, but I didn't yes. know if the set was actually real. I don't know anybody who has one. I ha I bought one. I didn't buy I didn't buy that April Fool's thing. I bought the Tybalt afterwards because I have a red Planeswalker deck and why what I, I'm play, I'm currently playing the mystery boosties Tybalt. I for damn yeah. sure I'm going to find the white border Tybalt to play in it. <laughs> and mystery that's, me, right? and that's why that's why I like all of the um the secret layers from that perspective. Right. I am the audience. I like random cool artwork on things and I like that they're reprintable and you don't have to chase after them. So back to kind of the point of what this was, was like kind of the future of LGS is I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how they open it back up, right? Like with, with COVID happening and hopefully unless society collapses upon itself, reopen, you know, reopening and everyone going well, yeah, back to LGSs. LGSs are tricky because it is not centralized. Wizards is not going to tell your LGS what to do. All mm -hmm. they can do is restart in-person organized play. And when they decide to do that, who knows? Cause right now stores are not allowed to run like official wizards tournaments in store. They're only allowed to run them over spell table or arena. Mm -hmm. My LGS is doing that, which is cool. I have played in a couple of arena events. So wizards will eventually turn the faucet back on, but that doesn't mean as much as like LGSs will open whenever they feel like it. And I am sure that there are LGSs in some parts of the country that are already open and Correct. you can go there and you don't have to wear a mask and there are no laws. So whatever but yeah i mean like it's already happening it's going to continue happening and people you know lgs's are going to open up for in-store play as they see fit and wizards telling you you can run an fnm or not is not gonna stop them you yeah. know and and i do think like kind of on a recommitment to lgs's from wizards that's what time spiral remastered was right like th that, that is not being printed in arena that was a set that they developed and designed for lgs's they delayed it as long as they could so that it came out at a point where it was great for lgs's same as mystery boosters were a product developed specifically for gps and conventions and the response to it at least from a public perspective has been extremely positive i think that sales are going to be interesting but i think even if sales aren't good wizards will be able to like COVID happened, you know, like it's hard to take any in-store dependent products sales numbers right now as seriously as you normally would. I wish that that were true, but you know that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a different conversation. You know that from being in the toy industry, that is not always the case. That is true. <laughs> I, I wish that that were true. I wish that you could be like, ah, yes, but clearly nobody bought this product because your store was closed for three months. But that is not case i do think i do think wizards will look at this set i think we're going to get industry re remastered right or we're going to get another remastered set i don't think they're going to look at this and be like this was a failure because wow in, they're going to hit you with the innistrad two innistrad sets in the fall then they're going to hit you with innistrad remastered the year of innistrad i mean it might be a year after that but i do think 
if you were to pick a set, like every writ list I've seen in Estrada Remastered is probably... The best yeah. set of all time. It's the best set of all time. And, and you, like, the only complaint I know people have, they could just not include. You don't need to include Invisible Stalker. Don't print Invisible Stalker. Just don't print it in the set, and the set's perfect. <laughs> the problem is that, like, they're going to include Dark Ascension cards and probably Abyssin Restored cards, and that's loose. I don't think they'll include Abyssin Restored cards. Because Time Spiral Block is like a set that was like all three are cool together and that's dope. And Innistrad is that's the one. As soon as you add Dark Ascension, I in think, my opinion, I don't I don't know about other people. Uh, I think there's stuff in Dark Ascension that like Unbarrier Rights is doped as is as is like there are things the 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 like three mana lords. I think Umbrella Rights is OG Innistrad. Lingering Souls, Lingering Souls. Is the Dark Ascension card that you're thinking of. That does not add anything to draft. That detracts from draft. Well, you just move that through. down for Lingering <laughs> down Souls. Lingering in draft, Souls. in modern, it's cool. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, not anymore. In standard, it was cool, honestly. It's a cool card all around. But oh, in draft. Oh, oh, Lingering Souls will forever be on my top 10 cards of all time, I think. But yeah, it's sad that it's no longer the best in modern. But I think Dark Ascension, like the 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 lords are cool. There's enough cool cards. And if they need to add Avacyn cards, you can add... There are cool cards in Avacyn. It was just a crappy set for draft. Right, You like the, the limited... You can add stuff to rare and mythic from Avacyn that like don't affect the draft. Like Avacyn and Grizzlebrand can just show up at mythic and like... Yeah, I'm the, just skeptical that they could improve in this round, you know? personally i don't think they'll improve it i think getting to draft even 90 percent of innistrad well they can they could just literally just reprint innistrad the set with no invisible stalkers and you know an improved limited format um (laughs) what i want just replace it with some random dark ascension uncommon lingering souls (laughs) a blue one uh what's the blue drog skull captain reaver or whatever <laughs> it's multicolored yeah i mean they could also do older sets remastered right like that are yeah, harder yeah. To come by even than in or times Spiral. they could do like an, an invasion block remastered or something because like invasion planeship apocalypse is a popular mm-hmm. draft format i think like the lists i've seen from people Ari lax actually did a really good blog post on like what he would reprint and and he had Innistrad, both Mirrodin sets separately, uh, both Mirrodin block separately and, and Invasion. Or what's the or Torment, Torment, whatever the all of the Graveyard Matters sets, the old one. Odyssey. Odyssey, where his like big picks. And, and part of his point is a remaster set also has to have value at rare and mythic. Yeah, desirable reprints. Because if you like Time Spiral has that, right? Innistrad has that. You have Snapcaster Mage and Liliana. You have, you know, like, especially if you extend it to all three sets, you you can get a lot. And you can, like, Navison and Greasel Brand. And... Right. And you can bring back some shadows over Innistrad rares that are worth money and bring them into the set, right? You can cheat in, like, a weird time shift. That would be way. interesting if they did, like, a, like a two Q. block, like, a two block combo, like you did multiple Innistrads together or you did multiple Ravnicas together or or Mirrodin if you just did like a big old six plot six set Mirrodin smush mm-hmm. up they said that like they get off. to cheat with Times Power Remastered too because like the number of just like insane value cards in the time shifted sheet is true to roof and they right. are not able to as easily hand wave that away with other sets and they probably wouldn't do it they probably wouldn't do another weird sheet like that they would have to fit the rares into the set <laughs> well but they could do they could do something like like in Estrada, it's weird because you have the double-sided sheet is kind of what that sheet is right but like i don't know if that's true i think you could do a time shift like a scars of mirrodin block remaster that you could just like put some iconic artifacts in yeah. the bonus sheet just do a bonus sheet of artifacts yeah like basically make it the yeah, like it just doesn't work as well for the me invention as, sheets. as with time spiral because that's like time spirals thing sure but it could have just become the remastered thing 
same yeah. same same rarity, right? Like it could just yeah. be. Yeah, if it's successful, I'm sure they'll do more remasters. So we'll see. And then like the last one, what was the other one that they said would be good? Oh oh oh, the the problem with Kamigawa is that there's no value at rare and mythic rare. Well, there are no mythic rares, but yeah. Well, yeah, there. Yeah, sure, that's true. There's no, there's there like not enough be. value. They must have reprinted a lot of stuff in there then. Yeah, well, there's like a few, right? But it's like GTA, which they shouldn't print in the set. They've reprinted gifts a thousand times. They've like the lands are worth something, and some of the stuff. Yeah, there's worth a something. lot of lands. Mirin and uh, Minamo. Mm-hmm. Like all the dragons aren't worth anything. Like it's all like weird no. niche stuff that if you reprint it, they kind of become worthless because the reason they're expensive is they've never been reprinted and a yeah. bunch of stuff that's miserable to play in draft. So like that's that was kind of their point there is the set as a limited format remastered would be amazing, but not as a not as a, it's like no one would buy packs and you need something to cause that. And well, and even even draft sets like as a drafter, a lot of the time you want at least the illusion of having your draft subsidized by the valuable cards you open, you know, right. like Zendikar, you could if do because you have fetch lands in it, or you can do, yeah. or you can like do. If I'm drafting cons. Kaldheim and I open a Valky, I get to just like, yo, I'm paying for some drafts, baby. Right. It, it, like cons wasn't super high because his point was like cons. Like your point with Innistrad, honestly, was one of his points where it's like Innistrad is perfect. Innistrad block maybe isn't as great. Cons the set is a perfect limited format. Cons. Fate, whatever is fine. Cons to dragons is not a thing that was meant to exist together, and dragons sucks. <laughs> yeah, I am actually a big fan of Scars and Mirrodin block draft. Um, Same. That's that, what, that was, was high for him. That one I would really be like yeah, New Phyrexia, Scars and Mirrodin. In fact, that sounds dope. That was the the set that I drafted a bajillion times to get good at draft. Mm-hmm. That was like my OG. And there's a lot of value there. You have a bunch of money in those in those three sets together. Even yeah. at common and uncommon, and you could do like cool Phyrexian language cards of like the most iconic ones. You could get to open three packs that could potentially contain Iker Wellspring, which would be unprecedented because during the draft format, you only got to open one pack worth of Iker Wellsprings, and it sucked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to play the Iker Wellspring deck when it's only in the Mirrored and Besieged pack? That's true. That's true. At least when it was MBS Double Scars, you open the Mirrored and Besieged pack first so you could like try and grab the Iker Wellsprings and then build your deck around it. Once New Phyrexia came out it was done for Iker Wellspring. That was my favorite deck in the format by the way. <laughs> the Iker Wellspring deck. I, like, <laughs> I think that like if I were to pick my top two sets to do this with I would love to see an all in, all in Innistrad both sets like a super block remastered and I think that would be really dope and I would love to see just Scars of Mirrodin block remastered just all in and then the the special sheet is just cool artifacts from history or like cool artifacts from the first one yeah i mean i do think times power remastered uh with how many cards are on the bonus sheet definitely benefited from being able to go throughout magic's history and grab cards of variety of rarities which i think i assume if they want to do a bonus sheet like this in other sets that's what they would do but well i think there's like there's a lot of cool artifacts in some of them like you put the modular creatures on that sheet right the like, like or why wouldn't you just put them in the set if it's only scars of mirrodin block Oh, you put the modular modular creatures suck. Well, but not all of them. I mean, oh, uh, like also you could put the seven mana mirror, mirror, the mirror that's for free. Like affinity cards can go on it. And like, I'm saying like, so you have multiple rarities on that time shifted sheet, right? There's like sure, iconic cards yeah, that are good. Bound worker because people do sometimes play arc bound worker and construct it. Right, right. You put, you, you put, put mirror enforcer because popper players will thank you probably maybe think. And it's iconic to 
to to mirror it in in general and like that card is decent and limited enough that you would play it right you put the artifact yeah, yeah, lands yeah. you put the artifact lands on the time shifted sheet which sound dope with metalcraft <laughs> yeah you just put ancient den and cranial plating and crystal shard oh those are already in time spiral <laughs> you put the other ones <laughs> all right um that is that is it for today's episode thank you michael for joining uh please everyone uh make sure to like and subscribe hit the comment button which set uh do you want to see and then all the other conversations are you excited to go back to gps what format would you like to see it we want to hear your thoughts uh, make sure every monday night we do commander nights uh so monday night at 7 30 we do a commander game and we'd love to see and hang out with you while we do it live if you miss it uh, it is on the youtube channel immediately after that so it's just live here you can check it out anytime at your convenience um and they're really really fun and beyond that thank you to our patrons uh we appreciate all of you you're the reason to do this if you donate to our patron you get access to this episode a week early the whole thing unedited michael swore like a, a bad podcaster <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an out of i'm an out of practice podcaster out of, out of practice we did a whole deck tech on a standard deck that michael's playing as a pre-show that you only get exclusive to the patrons so definitely check that out and we'll see you guys and girls and friends all next week this has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.